But to a lot of people, it's a very geeky problem uh, that we are solving at Traceable. Uh, but that's a problem I'm very personally passionate about. I'm Scott McGrew. Welcome to Sand Hill Road. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Joti Bansal is a serial entrepreneur and a venture capitalist with unusual ventures. He's accomplished a lot in his 41 years, or is it 42? Wikipedia says you were born in Rajasthan, state of India, in 1977 or 1978. Wikipedia is not sure. So let's start this podcast with a public service. Any Wikipedia editor listening can fix this. Was it 77 or 78? <laughs> 78. Okay, good. All right. Well, we can see we did our good deed for the day. So 41 years. In those 41 years, Joti has created a number of successful companies and is starting his next, a security company he calls Traceable, funded by the venture capital firm he co-founded. I imagine his pitch to unusual ventures involved him presenting the investment deck on one side of the conference room as the entrepreneur and then running around to the other side to ask tough questions as the investor. Tell me more about your business model and then run back over to the deck and say, oh, I'm so glad you asked. How'd that work? Uh, unusual is investor in Traceable, the company that I started. and uh, But we look at that relationship as... Uh, uh, you know, similar to how any other external investor would do it. Like, so, you know, our, uh, my co-founder and partner at Unusual, John, he represents Unusual on the board. You know, instead of me representing Unusual in the board, I represent, the, you know, the, the company uh, and, the, you know, from a, from a founder perspective. And we try to keep it like that so that we have a very, uh, uh, you know, some level of the right kind of uh, separation on that front. And when we did the pitch, we looked, you know, created the right kind of a pitch tag, very similar to like, you know, when you will go and pitch to any other investors and, you know, including the, you know, how, what the, the market is and what the business model would be. So we are, you know, it's uh, we, we, to make sure it's done properly. You've been a friend with John Veronis, who, by the way, has been on this podcast uh, uh, yes. previously. You've been friends for many years. You're business partners, you know, at your at your firm. You know, there is the potential that if he's representing unusual, you're representing the company, that there there could be tension there in the future. That's okay. I think we are all, you know, the reason, uh, you know, John and I have been friends and business partners because we respect each other. We trust each other. We uh, and we both uh, believe in high integrity in everything we do. 
like you know i uh, i know uh, john talked a little bit about on on the podcast when he was on the original name of the the venture from unusual ventures uh, you know we're thinking about calling it integrity ventures because integrity yes. and uh, <laughs> was such a core part of you know who who we are and uh, you know we would not have partnered and started the firm if, we, if that wasn't the core belief and value we had right so we we like to you know uh uh make sure that that is always the case like so there is if there is a conflict we will talk about it as adults like you know there is the you know the boardrooms where there are no conflict you know when the, as any startup you will have hard times you will have challenging times you'll have to make hard choices and there will be conflicts in opinions and conflicts in uh, point of views and i like to encourage those to the to a to you know to a healthy level why create another company yourself in traceable you you know a lot of good leaders you have all the pieces you need to say go out and build this but you're building it yourself primarily because it's a problem i'm very passionate about and uh, you know for to a lot of people it's a very geeky problem uh, that we are solving at traceable uh, but that's a problem i'm very personally passionate about and i like to go and solve problems and build companies right so i uh, what traceable does is securing all the code out there like we all hear like you know software is eating the world there is you know trillions and trillions of lines of software code out there but and, and you know all that code is exposed to potential hackers in all different ways and to me it's like if the, the whole world is going to run on software code and you have all of these potential areas in the code that hackers can use and steal data and data breaches and you hear about those all the time right and i do think you know someone has to th- uh, look at solving this in a in a very different way which is what we are doing at traceable and so it's it's all comes from you know from that passion you know for me uh, i'm not doing it for for you know uh, for making money or you know i i it's 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 a problem i'm passionate about solving and i you know to me that's that's fun and that's uh, that's uh, fulfillment trying to solve it The problem he's passionate about is solving attacks on APIs. You know how your DoorDash app knows who you are, where you are, and how to bill your credit card? That's the software sending out signals to your Facebook account you used when you signed up, a GPS service to figure out where your house is, and a check with your bank to make sure you can pay for your nachos. All kinds of apps have these extra connections that hackers can attack, like doors and windows into the software. And I'm not picking on DoorDash in particular. Maybe it's because it's lunchtime and it's the first example I could think of. DoorDash app is calling 20, 30, 40 different APIs for different kind of other third-party things, you know, in the, you know, in the, in the back end somewhere. Uh, the DoorDash app, it's calling its own, you know, thousands of APIs somewhere as well. So you have to create those doors and windows for the modern, this connected software world to operate. Uh, and but someone needs to protect all those doors and windows. That's it's it's really uh, that's how I look at it. Uh, you know why we uh, why I want to solve this. Your original success was a company called App Dynamics, which you sold to Cisco for $3.7 billion. You know, uh, you did it right before you were going to have an IPO, a debut on Wall Street. The other day, I was talking uh, to a different podcast guest about Nutanix, which did exactly the opposite. Right before the IPO, it got a massive offer, actually from Cisco as well, and said no. And they took the risk on the open market. And the CEO, Darash Pandey, said he made the right decision not selling and going forward with the IPO. You did the exact opposite. I'm going to presume you thought you made the right decision to sell before IPO. It's a really good question. Like, why did we decide to sell? And people ask uh, ask me uh, this. It's, you know, you, in any startup, you have many stakeholders involved. You have stakeholders involved, you know, your founders, you have employees, you have, you know, your investors. And, uh, 
my belief is that you know we didn't want to believe to build the company to uh, to sell we wanted to build a great company and we did build a great company and we were on the path to go ipo uh and cisco came in with an offer you know a few days before the ipo uh, we said no to the first offer and then they came with a second offer and we said no to and they came with a third offer and at some point for all the stakeholders involved you know it, that was the right thing you know the thing that i i take a lot of pride in in there is like you know we had a lot of employees who worked in abdanamics uh, you know and who put a lot of uh, you know uh, you know years and years of blood sweat and energy into abdanamics that about 400 of them made more than a million dollars and you know i to me that was also an important factor like you know okay if we if cisco is paying us a price that's uh, that's a very healthy uh, you know attractive price you know we have all of these employees where like you know it's it's going to be a life changing uh, event for them and that was definitely uh, you know a factor in how we uh, we thought about uh, do we do we sell or not it's never easy is easy decision like I, i'll tell you like this like you know many people assume like 3.7 billion dollars that's amazing like you know that would have been like you know cisco came uh, knocking on your door and you guys would be all like jumping to take it and that, that it wasn't the case we had like you know uh, like you know and everything happened really fast but like you know those four or five days of like you know board meetings to discussions to debates and like it wasn't it wasn't it was never easy like these uh, but at some point you know uh, when i look back i look at like you know we were able to make such a massive impact on the lives of so many of our employees there and that uh, you know uh, and uh, by by reducing some of the risk on what would happen in future and uh, i do think that was the right thing for us to do Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first 3 orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. That's not just the sound of that first sip of morning joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient, comfortable. Ah. So, I want to circle back to this idea of the amount of wealth that you have created here in America, but I I want to ask first, you built AppDynamics during the recession of 2008-2009. You're building another company during what we presume will be a recession. It's not official yet, but I mean, you know, look at the writing on the wall. Uh, are there any similarities? Some similarities, you know. I think recessions are not a bad time to build companies. If you look at most companies, to build a really good company, you know, say a multi-billion-dollar uh, platform company in any kind, it takes somewhere in the eight to ten years at least, most likely more. 
And if you look at like, you know, how the frequency of recessions, you know, they happen somewhere in that kind of frequency anyway. So it, it's hard to build a company and not go through a recession at some point, either early, early in your journey or midpoint of your journey or later in the journey, just statistically at some point you're going to uh, run into it. And I look at like the, 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 the real strong companies and real good companies come out stronger from it. You know, uh, and the weak companies, you know, who don't have the right culture, who don't have the right focus, who don't have the right uh, kind of the core elements, they they don't survive through it. So, you know, Abdanomics was a a, a bit scary one because I started in 2008 and the big Lehman Brothers crash and all happened just a few months after. And it was a hard time, like you had the, like, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the Sequoia memo of like, you know, no more funding and all of those kind of things happening. And what... Uh, what in you know so it was a hard time but what happened to us uh, that it really forced us to focus on a few things which is that build really build the best product in the market and and if we can do that you know a product that people care about uh, and obsess with customers getting very successful with it create this kind of a sort of a passionate culture inside the company that people are not just jumping on to the next thing they are passionate about about the company about the mission uh, we if we do these things you know that will take us through the recession and that became the core culture of uh, abdonomics and that to me i feel like you know that recession was a great thing that it forced us to do it and for me as a first time founder you know it forced me to like adapt and adjust uh, you know uh, to go through it so now when i build my you know my you know so it's, uh, uh, traceable is my third company uh, by the way after uh, abdonomics i started a second company harness that i also run which is doing extremely well uh, and you know we have i'm i've tried to bring in a similar culture uh, over there and you know as i build traceable i you know bring the similar culture uh, traceable as well i realize you have a passion for what you're doing and i realize you have employees that you want to make sure are successful but a third company after one of them sold for 3.7 billion etc the the risk for you is is quite low it would be it's first of all it's perfectly acceptable in silicon valley to fail Secondly, you did not mortgage your house on this. Um, is there any worry on your part that you can't be as passionate about company number three as you were company number one? Uh, not at all. You know, I would not have started if uh, if I had that worry. And I've, I've, I've thought, you know, long and hard about that question because that is the most important question for me. To me, I, I look at it, it's like, you know, the number one commitment I have is to my team, my employees. You know, I, I might be like, you know, say if my company number three doesn't succeed, it won't really make a financial uh, difference to me. But the team that I'm hiring and the people that are, that work for, for, for my company number two or company number three, it makes a big difference for them. It's life-changing for them. And I take it very seriously. So I, I want to make sure that my passion, my commitment would never be any lower than, you know, uh, than what I did in my company number one, because I, I have, it's my responsibility. I, I, you know, I think of, I make, uh, you know, uh, make a promise to them to bring in and bring all of their passion and energy to build this, uh, build, build this with me. And, uh, that's, that responsibility drives the, 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 the passion and commitment. You mentioned that many of the people at AppDynamics then became millionaires. Uh, You were born in India. You came to America on an H-1B visa. You have created literally billions and billions of dollars of wealth for the the United States economy since then. It's got to frustrate you a little bit when politicians, and I might be thinking of one specifically, (laughs) can't see that H-1B visas create American wealth. Yeah, I think it, it's it's a really short-sighted political, uh, uh, you know, uh, argument. You know, it's if you look at just from a rational economic uh, approach to this, if you can get uh, the best engineers and technologists and scientists to come to your country, 
like why would you ever stop it like any country in the world should should welcome it and allow it like you know it's if uh, it's uh, it's really you are getting such a big advantage that you these people are coming in and now you have such a, a high probability that the next set of technology companies and innovations and valuable things will will come will happen in your country so by stopping uh, you know h1b or by like you know discouraging people to come in here and like you know study in american universities and you know work here or like you know have that kind of american dream of moving here if you discourage that you are really hurting uh, the long term innovation engine in the in 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 america i i i it's 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 sad and unfortunate you know uh, also this argument of like you know okay, we are in a recession right now so there is uh, they're not uh, uh, there is unemployment or uh, because there is unemployment we should not bring anyone uh, that is also a very uh, fake argument in my uh, opinion like you know companies who who are not hiring they will not hire because you know there is if there is downturn and companies are slowing down on hiring so h1b or not they are not going to really hire uh, and it's uh, it's you know when i came into the country it was in 2000 and it was actually uh, another recession so you know this this you know i i don't know if it's like you know uh, i came here in 2000 and it was kind of the same kind of thing it was right after the dot com crash and someone could have argued like you know why do you need someone on h1b when you when we had just dot com crash and there are like you know unemployed people but in the long term like you know uh, i have as you said i have been able to help the american economy you know create uh, you know thousands of jobs and you know billions of dollars of value but it's not just me like you know i'm i'm just an example uh, but you know immigrants coming in here you know in their long term very big net positive to the economy and the country I've always thought of it uh, as like a, a playground game where, you know, we're going to have a soccer game. So I get a pick out of the kids and then you get a pick and then I get a pick. Except when you're the United States, you get the first 20 picks and and your soccer team is going to be better you know, than everyone I, else. It's just exactly. th- that's so simple. To that's understand. so simple to understand. And you, that's exactly how I think of it also. Like, and so it's, to me, it just seems like uh, you know, just stupid uh, that we would that we have the, the America is the only country in the world that has that opportunity, and we are trying to kill it. Yes, you came on an H one B visa. You were successful with that. You wanted to start your own company, but of course, an H one B visa immigrant can't work for himself. He or she has to work for a company. Uh, and we're seeing that disaster as some companies lay off and now we have immigrants who have to leave our country uh, simply because they don't have the employment on their H-1B visa. Um, so you had to get a green card, mm-hmm. correct, to, to start your yes. own company. And that's that's another big problematic area. And that also doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, if you have people here, you know, uh, uh, smart engineers, scientists working here and they have to start a company, why would you stop it? Why would you create any kind of, uh, uh, you know, obstacle in their way? But that's how it is, you know. So I had to wait some time before I could get my green card, uh, before I could start my company. Uh, now it's even worse. Like this was, uh, you know, uh, uh, 10 years uh, ago. Uh, now the wait could be like decades. So I had to wait like five, six years to get there. But now you could wait 20, 30, 40 years. So really like, you know, those pe- people who are very capable and very talented and here on H1B, they might have like the best idea to start a company and maybe create thousands of jobs. They are just uh, not allowed to do it. And the obstacles in their path are so severe. It, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's completely irrational. Now you're an American citizen, and I, I'd like detail mm-hmm. about that. I mean, I want actual granular mm-hmm. detail. I mean, did you wear a tie to the ceremony? I mean, tell me about that. <laughs> I did not wear a tie, and I don't even have a tie, I think. And I, the only time I, 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 I got a suit or tie recently was when Abdanmix was about to go IPO. 
and you know we got this uh, the suits and ties and we didn't go ipo and uh, uh, but we we did actually went up and uh, rang the bell on nasdaq after cisco uh, closed the acquisition you know cisco had the cloud with nasdaq and we were able to do that it's fu- jody it's funny i thought you were going to say either a wedding or a funeral <laughs> And of course, what a Silicon Valley statement. Yeah, for our IPO. That makes that makes total sense. I hereby declare. I hereby declare. There is kind of a movie theater and inside the movie theater, uh, you know, you uh, you get to this kind of a really, really cool ceremony. And it's, it's a very festive environment. And like, you know, for a lot of people who came here as immigrants with like, you know, with that sort of American dream and uh, most people came with, Nothing like I. I know, like when the first time I came to the to the US, I had hundred fifty dollars in my pocket, and that, like and after a long time, like you know, you go through that uh, the, your the journey to become an American, and you get uh, get to that citizenship ceremony. That's a, that's a very surreal experience. So uh, I I would uh, you know I would always remember that you know uh, now that you uh, <laughs> now that you've asked me, maybe I should have wore a tie and got a tie for it. But you know uh, there were a lot of people like and it's it's uh, it's uh, you know very energized and I it's. You see this kind of the melting pot, like, you know, how, what makes America and what makes Silicon Valley so special. Uh, you see it right there. You see, like, you know, people from all different countries. So they count the, you know, they, they in the ceremony, they announce the countries, like, you know, who is from Senegal and who is from Germany and who is from India and who is from China. And people like, you know, there is this kind of a, you see, like, you know, what makes America this such an amazing uh, melting pot. And uh, that's a part I cannot forget. Jyoti Bansal, the head of Startup Traceable and co-founder of Unusual Ventures. In this podcast, we talk briefly about Nutanix. You can find my interview with Nutanix investor Adam Strzok on last week's episode of Sand Hill Road and an interview with Nutanix founder Diraj Pandey on our TV show, Press Here. You can find that at PressHereTV.com. Just search Nutanix with an X. Sand Hill Road is produced by Sean Myers under the leadership of Sarah Bueno and Stephanie Adruni.